Let's open our Bibles quickly to the book of Psalms, number 146. That's where we are going to take the declaration of the glory of God from this evening. We are going to read um, 10 chapter, uh, ten verses. That's all the verses there. So we are going to read together. Again, as usual, can we all use the same version? So if you don't have a new American standard, please just go to somebody beside you that does not saying I don't have. The person must have. All right? And when we read, we read together from the bottom of our hearts. What we are doing is just to proclaim the glory of God into the air. We are declaring the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. We are declaring the lordship of Jesus. We are saying he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords. And the true God is God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we are saying. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, are we ready? Yes, if you are ready, say amen. Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Praise, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. He thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. We declare that it's our God who made heaven and earth. Amen. We declare that he made the sea and all that is in them. Amen. We declare that he is the one who executes justice for the oppressed. Amen. Who gives food to the hungry. Amen. We declare that he opens the eyes of the blind. Amen. We declare that he loves the righteous. Amen. We declare that he thwarts the ways of the wicked. Amen. And that Jesus will reign forever. Amen. He's our Lord, and he will reign to all generations. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. All, all right, let's take our seats in a moment after we have taken our declaration of understanding. If you are ready for that, give me an amen. amen. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Now let me say something quickly before we sit down. Today, a special anointing will come into your life. Amen. That's what the word today is bringing. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. Be it unto you according to your faith. So let me see what I said before. A special anointing is coming to your life. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. All you need to do is what? Just pay attention. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I'm feeling happy. I don't know. Well, I know why actually. 
As long as I don't know why, but I actually know why. Now, we are going to read the number of uh, verses from about three, four different parts of the Holy Bible to establish a foundation for what we want to discuss today. First of all, let's read this one we have read many times, but we are, we are just going to take a few verses. First Samuel chapter 16. Of course, we know we are looking at the life of David as an example of how, uh, to take examples from there of how our lives as the people of faith, as God's people of faith should be. Our aim is to be exactly like the Lord Jesus. And we have seen that there are things in the life of Jesus not overtly described in the Gospels. You will not find them in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, nor will you find them in John. And that is because they are recording the lives of the heroes of faith. And David is one of them. So we are looking at the life of David so that we can be like Jesus Christ. Now one thing I began to speak about last time is the power of the anointing in the lives of people. And last time we took time out to explain that believers must invoke that power into their lives. They must be careful to invoke the supernatural. Don't be content with walking like mere men. Don't be content to be, with being like Esau. Don't be content with being like the average person walking like Adam under the curse. That is not good as a believer in Christ Jesus. Adam under the curse got results. Please don't forget it. Adam under the curse got results. It's just that he had to sweat to get it. All right? To be able to accomplish for God on this earth, what you need is grace. We said that, okay, let's read this. Then we'll continue what we said before. Um, I'm just going to read the first line in verse 16, in, of chapter 16, and I jump down for that. So now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse. For I have selected a king for myself among his sons. They will know that when they got there, in verse um, 5, when they asked him, have you come in peace? He said, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now Abinadab came in verse 8, Shammah came in verse 9, and all of them came like that, and God did not choose any one of them. He now asked him in verse um, 11, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him in, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. 
And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel, now this is why I read all of this, just to get to verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil. Now all this while we've been reading the other ones and laying emphasis on the choice process. How God came to the decision to pick David rather than his brothers. That has been our emphasis. Now the emphasis for today is on this verse. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Note the word anoint. Note it. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. What I want to bring out is that what is an anointing? To pour oil as an indication of God's choice of somebody and then to ignite the infilling of the Spirit in the individual's life. So you see it here. Samuel took the horn of oil and poured it on David in the midst of his brothers. Then what happened next? The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Now what I want to bring out is the fact that, I've said it before, today we just want to talk about it. I may be a bit slow in my talk today, but please follow me carefully. I may not tell you do this and don't do that, but follow me very carefully. Because what is happening today is that somebody is going to be supernaturally empowered to do what God has called him or her to do. Amen. That is the aim of today's teaching. That's the aim of today's teaching. You know, what is going to happen is that as you listen to this, you will get, let's put it like this, ability. One that you did not have before. It is going to come upon you. I, I'm, not, I'm not like um, hoping or wishing, I'm telling you that is exactly what is going to happen. Amen. I hope you are following me. Now just follow me. I'm going to talk a bit slowly. Alright? I may not even make any serious point like do this, don't do that. Just listen to what I'm saying, all right? Because, you see, sometimes ignorance and lack of understanding close the door of the Spirit into our lives. It's important. We are going to do this in a moment. When Paul got to a particular um, a city in Ephesus, he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know what they said? <laughs> we have not even heard that there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. We'll get back to that in a moment. So sometimes, not knowing some things just simply hinders you from experiencing them. I hope you're getting my point. So when light is given, you know, is shown, shown upon something for you, when you begin to see, without any special prayer, without any special agitation, the thing just flows into your heart, simply because the obstruction before was lack of knowledge. So that once knowledge is given, that breaks the obstruction, and something that has been piled up behind a dam, so to speak, breaks into your life and begins to flow. And that's what we're going to do today. I believe so strongly in my heart that the power, the ability, the anointing of God is going to flow into somebody's life. Amen. Now, I'm, almost, you know, I'm tempted to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to calm myself down very well. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's what I'm going to be doing today. <laughs> All right, so we have read this, okay? Let's read another thing. So please just bear this in mind. David, the Holy Spirit came upon him from that day. Once he was anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, let me pass this comment as a reminder. Please bear this in mind. That was why he was able to kill the lion. It wasn't a matter of skill. This spirit that came upon him was the reason he was able to tackle the bear. It was not a matter of skill. This spirit that came upon him was why he was able to... Now, listen. It wasn't that 
Ah, I pray you get this point. It wasn't because he had, he had exercised with the bear or the lion. He now knew the tricks of killing giants. The bear was not a giant. The lion was not a giant. It was not practice that was the issue. The issue was that there was a spirit upon him. That spirit, listen to this, was what told him because of that anointing that came upon him. He told him, listen, you can take this giant. And let me say something to you. David was not, please, get me, don't get it wrong. David was not praying to God, God, though, I'm about to put my life on the line. I am about to put my life on the line for your people. Please, don't let me be disappointed. Don't let me die now. Then he's now confessing publicly. You know, the way we say it, when he saw Goliath, he began to tell Goliath, now what you are going to do? <laughs> it's good. Though. Those things we do, they are not bad. But that was not what David did. When David said what he said, he meant what he said. It was not prayer. Like, God, oh, please, oh, don't let me die today. You know I'm still young. They go outside, I will not die in the name of Jesus. No. <laughs> David was calm about it. He asked people, if somebody will kill this guy, what are they going to do for him? Because he knew he would kill the fellow. I hope you are getting my point. He was absolutely certain he could kill this giant. When they told him, take this armor on you, that Saul gave to him. He said, this is kind of heavy. That's not the plan I have. The point I'm going to make is that he had his own plan. It was not a matter of doubt in his heart. When he was telling Goliath, I am going to remove your head. He wasn't confessing faith. I hope you're getting my point. It was a confession of faith, but he was not trying to confess faith. You know, many times we have, we have learned some things. So when you are finished praying, you now know what you're going to do. You're going to, go, you're going to begin to declare it. You're going to begin to declare it. It's good practice. It's not bad practice. It's good. However, many of those declarations are not declarations of faith. They are statements to generate faith in our heart. Because declaration of faith is out of conviction. It's not, some of you say, like, you have to write down your confession. See, I write things down too. But there are things you say. It is not because you have written them down. It's because you know. So you utter it because you know. So what you have written before is not relevant. It is sta- it's a statement that is coming out of the, you know, simple knowledge, the assurance you have in your heart concerning something. What I'm going to say, when David began to speak about Goliath, I will kill you, I will remove your head, he wasn't confessing his faith the way we do our own. He was telling Goliath what was about to happen. I hope you're getting my point. You know, as an example, those early days, maybe when I watched some surgeries on TV, before we got to um, watching live surgeries in school, you know, you see a surgeon maybe open somebody's head, and you are asking yourself, will he be able to close it back? I remember one in which the guy removed somebody's nose. He's a plastic surgeon, a cosmetic surgeon. So the guy's nose was not straight. So I went to arrange it properly for him. And he actually cut... (laughs) Put, drill the guy's bone and come, the thing came off. And I was watching like, excuse me, are you planning to put that thing back? I know the man was not praying. He knew he could do it. So if I had asked him, are you planning to put it back? He said, yes, I'm going to keep in this solution for a while. Then when I insert it back, it's going to be in this particular. And he's going to be talking to me, not that let me confess my knowledge. No, he's just telling you what he knows. I hope you're getting my point. It is called full persuasion. Being fully persuaded. When David was speaking with Goliath, he was fully persuaded. Now back to where I began from. Why was he that persuaded? It was a result of the infilling of the spirit in his life. It was a result of the anointing that came upon him from that day. 
Please get my point. David became who he was. And I will thank God because he was anointed as a young boy. He became who he was because of that anointing. His life was steered by that anointing. His life was steered by that oil that Samuel had poured on him. The Spirit of God came upon him from that day. And listen to me, these things are not idle words. They are real things. You know, I'll give two illustrations. One personal one I read from, um, um, I think Kenny Hagin was the one that gave this illustration to let you know how real it is. Okay, let me say something to you. Some people tell me that, say, ah, Pastor Bank, I like the way you write. They almost want me to teach them how I write. You know the truth? I don't think about how I write. I just sit down to write. I don't think about it. Uh, if you re- read our tract, you'll see one title, This is Faith. I wrote that track like twice or three times. I will sit down and start writing. Then I will go away. Another day I will come back and start writing. But the one you are reading there, none of the first two sitting downs appeared there. The day I sat down to write that one, I wrote it at a sitting. I just sat down. I just started, this is faith. And I wrote until I was finished. I don't think I took a break. It was not rehearsed. It was not practiced. I just said that I will know when the inspiration comes upon me. I, I know when it has come. Now, please follow this. It's almost as if you are hearing yourself dictate to yourself. It's not something you learn in a school. They don't teach in a theological university. Where does it come from? I'll tell you. It is called an anointing. That's why you can't brag about it. I hope you're getting my point. Because it's not you. Somebody else is using you. Can I use that expression? You're literally an instrument in somebody's hand. Now, I told you I was going to tell two stories, just to illustrate it. When I was in university, I've told this story before, so I'll be brief about it. I was president of my fellowship at the point in time, and I was, a young, I was a young chap. Now, when I say young, I was very young. I was a teenager when I took over as president of my fellowship. Now, the brother who was president before me, we call him Pastor E. The name was just, just I play. his name is Ima, so we just call him Pastor E. Of course, they laid hands on us and transferred their anointing. Now, we had this habit. We used to plan the program for a whole semester. We had two meetings a week, so we planned what we would do in each meeting. We fixed the topics for the message for the, each day. So the ESCO, we meet before school, we start. If you're at the ESCO, you come to school early. For me, it was not a big deal because we were medical students, so we are always in school anyway. So the other people will come early to come and join, and then we'll have meetings. So, but before then, if you're really in charge, like... I was the, we call it general coordinator. I was what they call, others call president. So the, how do they say, the box stops at my table. So you spend time getting ready before that people arrive. So you pray, you'll be writing things down. I still remember that small diary I had that my dad gave me. I remember the color, ash color. I had this like, um, no, like a nylon cover, hard, you know, was a synthetic cover. Okay. And you know, spiral bound inside. I used to jot in it. I still remember it. That was why I used to take my notes. So I just begin to be writing things down. Now bear that in mind. But you remember today I was very young. The man who handed over to me, maybe that scared him a bit. That this boy is a small boy. But now I understand he should not have worried. David was a smaller boy. I hope you're getting my point. What matters is the anointing. I like the way this woman says it in that her song, um, Candestating. He said, it is the anointing that makes the difference. There's an album she has titled The Anointing. 
is the anointing. You know why I'm talking about this? So the man took it upon himself to help us get ready and give suggestions, which actually, in reality, I look back, he was just trying to give us something to support and give us crutches to support ourselves. So he, to make a long story, at the end of the day, he gave me a long list of his suggestions. Very long list. I never forgot it. This was in 19... What time was it? <laughs> it was around 8990. No, because of time now, I won't remember. I can't give you for sure, but not later than 90, not earlier than 89. It's 8990. I can get it well if I have time to think, but let me not waste time. 89.90. But I remember very well. He gave me the paper as a suggestion. I thanked him very well. I didn't quarrel with him. By the time he saw the final program, he was very happy. You know why he was happy? He assumed we took most of his suggestions. What he never knew was I did not take one. Not one. <laughs> God in heaven is my witness. One I did not take. He never knew. We never discussed. Everything he wrote down, I had written down. We never discussed. So by the time he saw it, he thought, ah, this, this guy is very good. He listened to me. I didn't listen at all. I can't remember the number of topics. There were two that I didn't have, which he had. Those two we did not take. I didn't try to throw it away. In our discussions, it just never, it didn't fit. So we dropped it. All the ones I brought, my ex-co, we agreed on all of them. Incidentally, he wrote all of them also. So for that reason, he did not know that we did not consider one of his points, not one. And one major reason we didn't was that it was not necessary. I went through it. I wrote mine before he gave me his own. And that thing, I never forgot it. It let me understand that the anointing actually makes the difference. It was not intellectual reasoning. As we prayed, we were receiving from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon me as a result of the hands they laid upon me, the elders. And they said, from now on, you will be the leader of this fellowship. And from that, and they poured oil on our heads. And the Spirit of God does rest upon me from that day forward. So what should we do? was with me. Now, I tell this story to let you understand that. It showed you that this thing, I mean, we didn't, we didn't discuss it. He just gave me the sheet of paper. I looked at it, looked at my own. I thanked him, never told him anything. He won't know this truth if he hears this message I'm preaching now. I'm talking about since 1890. That's 31 years ago. The second story. Ken Hagen said, there was a particular point, I think the Holy Spirit came upon him to write something. And I can't remember the details now. It was either him or Gordon Lindsay, they wrote on the same topic without discussing with each other. Then when they compared their notes, I'm talking about a whole book. may not have been a fat textbook, but a Christian, you know, the way our literature may be, like some of these books we have out there. By the time he compared them, now I can't remember these exact words, but they were more than 90% word-for-word accuracy. Two men writing from two different parts of the United States, not talking to each other, when they gave each other the books, look at what I wrote. Ah, oh boy, did you copy me? Word for word. See, this anointing we're talking about is not a joke. It's a real thing. It is. It is used. God gives it to us to do his work on this earth. God, listen, you know there's something about sacrifices. God does not accept the sacrifice is not command. I'm going somewhere. In the same manner, if God wants you to do something, he doesn't accept the one you do with your own strength. That is why before you supposedly do anything for God, go and pray to be sure that's really what he wants. 
And in your life, before you will try to achieve anything, be sure that is what God wants you to achieve with your life. Because so many of the good things we are doing, they are not acceptable to God. See, before God accepts a sacrifice, he provides it. I said the other time, why God took Abraham through everything he went through was so that Abraham would receive a young man called Isaac. Why? God wanted Isaac as a sacrifice. So he took Abraham through everything he went through until Abraham was able to present Isaac to him. But Ishmael was not acceptable as a sacrifice. It was not what God prepared. Isaac was the sacrifice which God prepared. I hope you are getting my point. So in this life, anytime God wants something, he supplies it. If he wants it to work for him, he gives you energy. If he does not give the energy, the work is not acceptable. You are wasting your time. Let me say this again. Eh? I'm digressing, but you know, we have to correct people. Have you heard this thing before say, you have to give God something that pains you. Please, anytime you hear that, just ignore it. It has no meaning. It has no meaning. He doesn't. You know why? I'm not saying you don't give God things that have value to, to, you, know, to you. But I tell people that if money is still paying you as at now, you need to be born again. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, you need to give your life to Christ. If giving money is still paying you. Which was the reason? Where's, where's bros? The python hunter. Python dance. Where is it? Okay, ah! That thing he said, that is so true. He said that when he said, give God something that will pay you. He didn't offer money. Remember, those were saying he wanted money. But he did not offer money because he said to himself, money can't pay me. No matter how much you collect from me, it cannot. Because again, God will bring money another time. But the only thing I have that can pay me is this snake that I hunted. I caught. I killed. I removed the skin. Dress the skin, and I'm hanging it in my house as a trophy. <laughs> of course, I've told you, their offerings don't give in African churches. <laughs> if you give that offering in, in an in American church, or a European church, they'll be like, wow. <laughs> they'll go and auction it, and they'll get $10,000. Our own, we, we burn it with fire. The man took the snake skin and put it in an envelope. I said, give God something that will pain you. I said, God, this is very painful, you know. <laughs> he dropped it. Until ushers opened the envelope. Every man began to rebuke. Cover with the blood. <laughs> the Lord is good. When you hear those things, I listen. Why do I say what I say? All right? What I said. I said that because the truth is that if God really has provided that thing, you get to a point, it can't pain you. Isaac was precious to Abraham. I'm not saying it wasn't precious. But giving Isaac was not what many of us think now. Because God had trained him to a level where he could offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. Listen to me. God provides his own sacrifice. He does. A man of God went to a businessman one day and said, The Lord said oh, you should give me. I think, let, I can't remember the exact figure he said, but let's say two million naira. So the man said, the Lord said so. He said yes. So he took out his checkbook and wrote a check for the man of God. Two million naira, pay, pastor, okay, mute. <laughs> two million naira only. And said, man of God, here it is. And that one took it and blessed him. 
I went to the bank and he presented the check. And the cashier looked at him. No rubber ball. The check was going up and down, bouncing like a rubber ball. So they complained, sorry, sir, the account, is it the payee or payer account? The payer, right? Yeah, the payer's account is not funded to this amount. Anyway, they don't tell you. They just put DR. Drawers or drawees attention required. So which meant the check, bam, we all know what it means. So he went back and gave the man, ah, what do you mean? They said there's no money in the account. He said, you said God said. I assume that God must have put the money before you will get there. Because when you came to me, me, I didn't have two million. I did not have it. But since you're a man of God, who am I? To question the man of God. So I did as the man of God said. (laughs) Of course there was no money. What he was ready to say is simple. If God is asking for two million, he will bring two million first. God will not ask for two million when I don't have two million. What's my emphasis? God supplies the ability when he gives us the responsibility. Did you hear what I said? He supplies the ability when he gives us the responsibility. He supplies the ability. If he has committed into our hands a responsibility, the ability to do it will come. If you are trying to do something and you can't, and you put in the effort and you can't, the Lord has not given you yet, or you have left before the day of appointment. Because he said something. We're going to read that next. He said, wait in Jerusalem. What's the next line? Until you are endued with power from on high. So let's read that next. That's the next thing we are going to read. Acts chapter 1. Strength is always supplied. If you are in the path of God's assignment for your life. Ability is always supplied. If you are in the path of God's assignment for your life. Having been a preacher for this number of years, if I, what I pray against, Apostle, is arrogance. You know, being cocky. Just assume that when I get there, like Samson, the spirit will come again, it will flow. That pride and arrogance is what we have to pray against. But to pray that the anointing to preach the word will come. Uh, bros. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure God likes that kind of prayer. Many times my wife would tell me those days. She doesn't say it anymore. I said, my husband, you don't teach me things anymore. I said, what do you mean? He said, this thing you were saying today, I've never heard it before. I said, who told you I'd heard it before myself? As you were hearing it, so was I hearing it. Oh, don't think a very knowledgeable man mounted the pulpit and began to speak. No. In fact, it got to a point. <laughs> you know, some people tell me that, ah, there's one brother who's always saying, when I say something, he says, sir, you know you're a prophet. I said, please, don't give me the title that the Lord has not given me. But after a while, I understood why people like him would say that. I would say some things. If I one lady I met many years ago, she came to see me in Enugu. I went to preach somewhere. So she, I got an appointment to come and see me. So we talked that day, talked a lot of issues. And then I, now, I, I said some things. I can't remember what I said. It was years later that she contacted me again. He said, sir, everything you said that day has come to pass. I say, amen, praise God. You know, I couldn't remember one thing I said that day. Not one, not one. I just know we have seen before. And I give her time. She talked a lot. I give her the word of God and I pray with her. She said, every single thing you said has happened. 
And I just said, praise God. The truth is I couldn't, I didn't try to say anything. I just, there's a way when you're just preaching, the words come by themselves. They're not planned. They are not planned. They just come forth by themselves. That is what they call anointing. It's divine ability because he has given you an assignment. That is why sometimes I will tell you, I've been to churches before and the man is there talking. And I tell myself, this guy is not called. I don't mean to be arrogant. I don't mean to insult him. I really don't know him. I remember many years ago, I sat down with my wife where, where somewhere, I think in Benin that day. I was watching TV. And I said, I told my wife, this guy is not a called preacher. And he had a big title. I told her, this guy is not called. Two years later, he was dead. Now, yes, he was. And because I read Kenneth Higgin, I said, what killed this man? He stood in an office that he did not have the ability. I heard him speak for just about 10 minutes. And I said, this man is not called. I couldn't feel that spirit passing through his mouth. I could see a man struggling. There was a man in Enugu then, many years ago, when he first came to town. He would be on TV and he's a preacher. I, just told my, I was watching him that day. I didn't know him. I told my wife, this guy is a fake preacher. He had a robe and he was speaking. And as he was preaching, I told my wife, this guy is a fake preacher. I never, never met him before. That was probably the first or second time I was watching him on TV, local TV. And I just looked at him. I just told my wife, I said, this guy is a fake preacher. How do I know? I said, his talk is absolutely not inspired. You could, I don't know. If you know it, you know it. I don't know how to say it. He would just talk. I said, this guy doesn't have, his, he has no unction, nothing, zero. Who put him up there? He has disappeared now. I don't know where he disappeared to. Later on, when I heard his story, <laughs> they said they don't know when he became a Christian. That what they knew was that he was a 419 man. You know what they call 419? Yes, they said he was a fraudster in this city. Then he built one big business. Next thing they knew, he was pastor of a church. I said, no wonder. I didn't know all of this. When I looked at him, I said, this guy is not called. Because when you are doing the things of God, he supplies the ability. And those of us who are in that line, I'm not saying we're always correct, okay? But these are examples I've given. I've not been wrong in one. All right? I'm not saying we're always correct, but those of us who have been in that area, there's a way we just recognize that. You will know the right the spirit when it's working and when it's not working. You will know when flesh is on the pulpit. And it's very common in many of our churches, Pentecostal churches that will proliferate like Hydra. Are you getting my point? That is, no, you know the Hydra just branch, branch, branch. Always opening branches. Now, let me just tell you if you're a big pastor, a big bishop, you know, apostle, <laughs> an archbishop, you know, stuff like that. Don't open branches faster than you have people to man them. Don't open the branch and then start looking for a pastor. That's how you start promoting a man that should be in the bank counting money. You now make him, you know, a pastor. Then you put him in charge of people so he now comes. You just see him every Sunday, nothing, no unction. After a while, he becomes sick. Literally, no, literally, he becomes sick. And if he doesn't take correction and step down, after a while, he dies. Why? You gave him an assignment God didn't give him. God didn't give him the ability. Listen, when human beings are drawing on you, and you have nothing to give them, your life goes away. <laughs> oh, God. I've seen it. You enter a church. Some people you say, bros, leave this job. You don't have it. Leave this job. This is not arrogant. See, 
It's not everything I can do. No. The one we can do is because God gave us the anointing. And everybody has an anointing in his own place. And as I'm speaking today, if you're a believer, two things are going to happen. One of two things. A fresh anointing will come upon you or an anointing that you have forgotten will be kindled again. That's what's going to happen. Bezalel had the anointing when it came to craftsmanship. Believers, that's how we are supposed to... We leave this in... See everything I've said now? Everybody's agreeing with me, essentially, because I'm talking about preachers. They have experienced it. There are businesses some people are doing, they don't have the anointing. They don't have the anointing. Demo Shakarian said, he went into a particular line of business, and he was failing every day. He was losing money on a daily basis. He entered into contracts that guaranteed that he will be bankrupt in a few months, or maybe a few weeks. Let's make a long story short. When he went to go and pray, Lord, what is going on? Now he's a businessman. He discovered what is called the Ministry of Helps. That was where he stayed all the days of his life. He founded Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. He was a businessman. He was a farmer. That's dairy farmer. He was only in business. the farms with his father. Then one day decided to go into speculating in grain, commodity trading. <laughs> I don't want to go details. You can read in his book, The Happiest People on Earth. Of course, things went bad, like I was saying earlier. He was losing money on a daily basis. He had entered into contracts that committed him to paying a certain amount of money per bushel of grain. All right? Meanwhile, the market price was lower than that at that point in time. He thought it would rise. It didn't rise. So they would supply. So if for each bushel supplied, he was losing a certain amount of money. But he had to keep buying. These were contracts. So he went to pray, God, help me. And the Spirit said to him clearly, I never sent you into that business. Let me use my own words now. You are doing something for which I have not supplied the unction. The Holy Spirit said to him clearly, the kind of business you are doing, you've gotten into, requires more time that I'm willing to offer to you. Let's make a long story short. I didn't send you there. So he said, Lord, what do I do? I need to get out. And the Lord said to him clearly, sell the business and get out. He said, Lord, please get me out. No problem. And the Lord woke somebody up. Listen, let me just tell you, Christian said, your life is not an accident too. I need to keep saying this and so you treat it as such. That is, you won't be treated as an accident. Treat it like a life that's not a game of chance. Stop doing notice me so that a man can see you. Say, because uh, I will attract men like that so I can marry. Nonsense. You will attract Judas and Ahab. You know, God actually wakes people up. I say, you, go and marry that person. One of my friends married, married a woman that the Holy Spirit woke up one day. Say, what is wrong with you? You don't want to marry my son? I'm not kidding. So she married a man she had never met. Did you hear what I said? They had never met. Never. Even he too had never met her. Of course not. If she has never met him, she was never met him. But the point I'm making is on his own side too, he was like, his friend called him and said, come and marry one woman. Listen, these are not villagers. They are educated people. The man who was called to come and marry was abroad. He was in UK when he was called to come and marry somebody. And he gave a crazy test. I wrote the story in the book. 
Should I say yes? Those days, there was no, there was no GSM that we all carry around these days. It was landlines. So he gave a crazy test to the Lord. Please, just to be sure it is you. Have her call me. So he started waiting for a call. And it, it, I like the way he said, ah, it's not the other way it's supposed to be. He said, no. He just, he just, you know, like Gideon. He wanted to give the Lord a difficult one. Have her call me. So he sat every day waiting for a phone call. Let's assume her name is um, Agnes. So I don't, the real name almost came out of my mouth. Her name is not Agnes, just picking Agnes randomly. So, and those is the call her brought was very expensive. He, every day he sits by his phone waiting for that call. And then one day the phone rang. Of course, that calls were coming, but that day that phone rang, he knew, he knew whose call it was. There was no caller ID or anything, not this modern day technology. And he picked the phone. And as soon as he heard the female voice, he called her name, Agnes. And that one said, yeah. He said, please, hang up. Let me call you back. He wanted to pick the bill. So she hung up, and then he called her back. That was a sign he was asking from the Lord. <laughs> she had been woken by the Lord, say, you don't want to marry my son. Why? So please, this life, don't treat your life as a game of chance, if you are looking for a job, don't say, hey, this is the best place to work. Pray and say, Lord, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You sent me an assignment. I believe the season is to get a job somewhere. Which one have you prepared for me? You can't think about your life ahead of God. You can't. He goes ahead of you. He goes ahead. He goes ahead. That's what he does. He goes ahead. That's just an aside. So this man, the most current, God had... Walk a man up, say, go and buy Demos' business. That nonsense business, yes. That one that is losing money, yes. I want you to buy it. And I want you to give me a good price. Let me summarize it there. The Lord made that man buy it. Demos wasted his time because he was doing a program somewhere. By the time he came back, in fact, it was, it was like this man, you don't understand. You have a business that is losing money every day. I want to buy it off you, and you are giving me this kind of hard time. And he told him, sorry, sir, kingdom business comes first. Right now, I'm doing kingdom business. That will wait. When they finally completed the deal, after he came back, you know what the man said to him? He said, now I can get some good night's rest. The Holy Spirit had not been letting him rest for the last few days. Say, so you will not rest until you buy that business. Now, I keep on, I said last time, please make up your mind. Whatever you have to do, the Bible says, labor to enter into rest. Ask yourself, what is my labor for rest? Can't be letting your life go by the normal, you know, normal way. God said to him, I've not given you that assignment. So it was hard for him. The Lord did not supply grace. Oswald Chambers said, such things will wear you out. See, they wear you out. They wear you out. Something you are doing which God has not supplied grace for. It will wear you out. He said, if it was God's assignment for your life, no matter how tiring the thing is, as soon as you are done, the Spirit will pour the energy back into you. You'll find that rejuvenation coming back each time you labor. Ah, it's an anointing. I was saying, God does not accept that which he did not supply energy for. I use the illustration that God built up Isaac and built up the faith of Abraham, then he asked for Isaac. That which Abraham prepared, God wouldn't accept. It had to be the one that God prepared in the life of Abraham. So when he sends you on an assignment, he gives you the enablement. If he gives you a responsibility, he supplies the ability. That's just the way he works. 
I said we should open somewhere, right? Acts chapter 1. Because of this, because you see, knowledge is not what you need alone. You may have the knowledge of the assignment. You may have the knowledge of what is right or necessary to do. But there is something else that is needed. Acts chapter 1, I read from verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him. This was after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power. That is, don't worry yourself about those times. The next thing you must do now is to be my witnesses. He said, so this is what's going to happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, notice one thing he said. I jumped one portion, all right? When he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's actually the main thing I wanted to read. He told them to tarry in Jerusalem. Luke 24. That's Luke that was writing that book of Acts also. Of course, you know that. So book of Acts, just part two to this book of Luke. All right, let's read from, um, I'm going to verse 49, but let, I just like to always take things in context. Yeah, then opening, yeah, remember, that was when they wrote, um, let's just go down, okay, verse 40, 45. Because I'm looking for where to break. Okay, let's just start from 44. Then he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ will suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Yes, you are witnesses. Verse 49. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They had an assignment. They had clear instructions. But he said to them, you are to wait in that city in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And that was what he said to them, where we were reading just a while ago in the book of Acts chapter 1. That was what he was referring to when he said to them that you will be my witnesses. Which verse is it? We were reading just a while ago, verse, verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power. Remember he said, I will send that power from on high. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. That is to be a witness. They needed what? Power. They needed enablement. To be a king, even though he had been chosen, he needed power to come upon him. That's David. And that was what Samuel initiated that day by the anointing with oil. And from that day, the Spirit of God was resting upon David. And the same thing Jesus was telling us here. I'm calling you to go out as my witnesses. But you are not going to go out because you have a certificate from the university. You are not going to go out because you were trained in the theological seminary. Whatever I'm sending you into, you have to receive power to be able to go there. 
I hope you're getting my point. It's important. This is not common sense. And that's where we have had a lot, of, a lot of time as Christians. We don't use divine power. We have the right motives. We have the right ideas. But we don't have divine power. Let me quickly say this. The scripture makes it clear to us. It is not every Christian. The fact that you are born again doesn't mean you have it. It's, it's, it's clear from, people have gone into arguments. Or every Christian is filled with this. It's a nonsense argument. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. The argument is not necessary. Because we see it again and again. He said to them, in fact, I like this particular one. I find it very interesting. The book of Acts chapter 19. This one is very interesting. Please, what are we learning from David? The David we know was a man empowered by God. No, we began by saying, a man raised up on high, whom God raised up on high. It was that anointing that God used to raise him up on high. Let me quickly drop this. There are two things, so I don't forget to say it along the line. I plan to. But just now it's come to my mind. Let me quickly say it. There are two things the anointing does for you. This is the interesting part, Apostle. It does not help with personal holiness. It does not make you walk in righteousness. It comes upon you, you dismantle the gates of a city, then go in there and say hello. Your name is Samson. I hope you're getting my point. Read the life of Samson, nothing to write to him about morally. He was not obeying the laws of God. From his youth. That guy was a riotous individual. But the anointing was upon him by divine assignment. And it will come on him. And he will do things that till now people think is folktale. Gates were erected. You know, every city wall had its gates. To prevent armies. You know what they call armies? <laughs> yes, one man. You know what they call him? One man riot squad. We go there, not only enter the city, he will yank the gates off the wall, put it on his back, and climb the hill. Now, you need to understand that that gate was erected to withstand soldiers. Not two soldiers, not five soldiers, an army invading. They used to, they, they to bring what they call battering rams to be able to pull down gates. They will set gates on fire if they are made of wood. Yet the man went there, yanked it off the wall. <laughs> like we say in Nigeria, no be ordinary eye. But that anointing could not handle Delilah. The anointing gives you the ability to perform divine assignment. It doesn't help you resist sin. It does not teach you holiness. So no matter how anointed you are, better go to church and learn by yourself. And that's the mistake a lot of people make. I don't want to, of course, of course, I can't call names. So what's my business judging the things of other people anyway? But many preachers, this has scored through their lives. Because they touch, of course, they heal the sick, open blind eyes and all of that. I was just thinking the story of one of my friends. He put his hand on somebody. His eyes were closed. He opened his eyes, couldn't find the person again. He just saw the man's shoes there. The Holy Spirit lifted the guy out of his shoes into the air and threw him backwards. So when he opened his eyes, ah, where are you? The guy was down there on the floor. How come your shoes are here? Many people think because of that, they are special. You are not special. Your name is Samson. You can better convert yourself to David minus Bathsheba. Are you getting my point? And Uriah. And listen, you know, these things were recorded for our learning. Because we understand, you see, Satan, sometimes, he understands what is going on. So he says, how do I handle something? 
those Philistines, they stand for us today, or they stood as a type of Satan for us today. The anointing they could never handle. So if this man we preach, things will happen. Which is, which is, which is can't do anything to an anointed, to an anointed anointing. Can I use it like that? I don't want to use the word anointed man. That anointing they cannot touch. Let them be 1,000 of them. When the anointing enters this place, all of them will disappear. Because the anointing burns like fire. It will smoke people. The anointing does that. So, what do they do? These so-called witches. They don't go and be fighting the anointing. Yeah, this anointing works. Today. Once the guy comes there, the anointing must work. Once something shows, the anointing must operate. They say, okay, what do we do? We need to separate something from his anointing. The anointing itself we can't handle. So they go after the moral life of Samson. And Samson is standing for believers. They want to separate the man from his anointing. Because it gets to a point, actually, God removes the anointing from somebody when he proves that he's no longer worthy to keep carrying it. He did it to Saul, did he not? The Spirit of God left Saul. David prayed at the time, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. We saw it. The Spirit left Samson. Because he broke, because that's how life is. There are certain barriers you must never touch. Samson did everything, but don't cut that hair. Certain barriers are unique. And they stand for something in the realm of the Spirit. Samson did all kinds of things, but the hair was a sign of a vow that existed even before he was born, which he keyed into. Once he caught it, the anointing was suspended. And you saw what happened to him. You don't hide behind your anointing. You protect it. You are the one that will guard it. It can't protect you. People don't get that point. You are the one that will ensure that this thing does not leave me. There are people that have the anointing, for example, to make money. Now, they're not covetous. They're not particularly smart, uniquely. But God said, I've just given you the ability to pull resources. You are now involved in kingdom business. When I say kingdom business now, you are promoting the kingdom. You are advancing the kingdom. You are paying for this, paying for that. Satan says, ah, look at how this guy just causing gospel to be preached all over the place. Then he starts heading for his life. How do I handle this fellow? Say that his wife. That's why we're coming through. You know, that's how he came in. Eve, Madam, has God really said? The woman starts talking nonsense. Eh? Every time. Every time. Look at the number of houses our friends have. With the amount of money we have. We have only one house. Then Jezebel starts talking to Ahab every day. I hope you're getting my point. But the ability to make that money, God said, no, no, he has it. So Satan said, what do I do? Let's get his wife to talk to him. This country is no longer safe. Me, my children, we have to be safe. God has given us the money. Relocate us somewhere safe. All of it is targeting the anointing on his hair. You know that? The locks of Samson's hair. That's what Satan is using her to target. The time comes, he takes the money of God that is gave to him to propagate the gospel. He starts using it to build safety for his family on the earth. Then he doesn't know why suddenly his ship sinks. Then two trucks jam somebody or jam people. He's in court. He's being sued for hundreds of millions of naira. Ah! He doesn't understand what's happening. Every day, he's bleeding financially. And that's why Elihu said, we pray for him that there will be an intercessor. 
that will show to him what he's doing wrong. Because go to court from now tomorrow. Pray from now till tomorrow. Until that hair grows back on Samson's head. That thing is not coming back. Until he says to his wife, Madam, if we perish, let us perish. What about the children? Who cares? Are they my children? Are they not God's children? The way God took care of me, he will take care of all of you sit down here with me. Say, this morning I'm not using it for what you tell me to be using it for. There's a reason why God gave it to us. Let's focus in that direction. Let me tell you one reason why I don't believe this 10% joke that Christians crack. It does not put into cognizance things like this. It doesn't. There are people that pay tight. God will punish them. Because what's wrong with 95%? You never see 95 before in your Bible. You give everything. Yes. Everybody has his anointing. Have you heard this one before? Pastor said, has this man just give, give a million next day? God gave him 10 million. Nonsense. See, those testimonies, when you hear it, don't even worry your head. It won't happen to you. So, don't, I'm not cursing you. Why should you want it to happen to you? Are you a kalo kalo man? There are people like that that God gives money because they are proven faithful in little. To God, the one million naira offering they give is little. Now, now gives them a hundred million so they can be faithful in much. That's all. You, you give a million naira offering. God says, very good. Now you go to Sambisa to go and preach. That is your reward. You are there waiting for a hundred because you don't have that anointing. That one, <laughs> that one million I took from you is the safety you built for yourself. Now you don't have it. It's called sell all you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. Now come and follow me to where? To Sambisa. It's not a bad thing. You have just been elevated from one level of assignment to another. That's all. The anointing. That is what we use as believers. It's not human power. It's not human strength. So the Lord Jesus said to them, you will tarry in the city until you are endued with power from on high. Now, there's something I want to bring out. Did you open it just now? I said we should open somewhere, right? Huh? Acts 19, yes. I want to read from verse 1 to verse 6. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Ah. And he said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Into into what are you baptized? He said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. They were in all about 12 men. Apostle. Have you got out your 12 men? You are still gathering. Keep praying. <laughs> the Lord is good. There were about 12 men. Now, one point I made earlier, which I want to bring up from here. It's possible to be a Christian and not be filled with the Spirit. It is possible. And of course, I have another proof of that. Um, Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and they believed. Then they sent Peter and John. When those ones came, they laid hands on them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. So that argument people used to have is unnecessary. It's clear. So that's why Paul met people who he thought were Christians. And he said, have you, that is, he knew that it was not a foregone conclusion. It is possible to be a believer for years and you have not received the Holy Spirit. 
absolutely possible. We don't need to argue about that. That's clear in scriptures. Now, just something I want to bring out. Has it occurred to you to ask that question? Why did Paul ask that question? Did, did you hear what I said? Why did Paul ask that question? I'll tell you. I, I'm not saying I know the answer, but I'm suspecting something. There must have been something about their lives that showed that they didn't have power. I don't know whether you're getting my point. For example, when you tell somebody, let's read the Bible, they look confused when they are trying to explain scriptures. I suspect there was a spirit of timidity. Believers are not supposed to be timid, but these guys were timid. There was a gusto, a, you know, a go-getting attitude that the believers should have. Paul didn't see amongst them. So he turned and said, come on, what's going on here? Maybe he told them that, let's pray for the sick. They're looking at each other and say, <laughs> pray for the sick. Why now? The age of miracles is gone. What if you lay on the sick and nothing happens? So they're having those arguments. So Paul said, no. He turned to Apollos. Oh, Apollos was not there then. He was alone. He said, guys, what is going on here? Then finally, bing, it hit him. Hey, excuse me. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, what did you say? Did we receive what? Eh? Menini, Holy Spirit. <laughs> ah. So Paul said, unto what baptism were you baptized? Who preached to you? What does that tell you? We should tell everybody about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you preach to them. You tell people, go and declare. They are not supposed to. They are supposed to stay until they are endued with power. Have you heard these things before? If they tell you to deny Christ, just deny him first. They can reclaim him after. Both the person giving the counsel and the one being counseled, both of them don't have the Holy Spirit. Those who don't have it don't understand that discussion. They are like, what is it? An ordinary gun you bring come. Your mate, they bring bomb. We see they not deny. Have you clear, my friend? There's a boldness in them that makes it impossible for them to have such conversations. You hear such conversations these days. It's a sign that Ichabod, the glory has departed. The people are not bold. It's not their fault. There's no Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was saying then when he said it. Don't leave oh, You will be scared. When you see persecution, you will run. People who are bold in themselves, me, I'm a natural bold person. Hey, hey. Obama has a saying. They say, when a fight has not met you, you say, I'm a man. Is it all these boys who are shouting, if he's in the war, let's fight war. They have not seen war. Is it? There was one video I saw the other day, you know, just by the way. I don't know how many of you saw it. They said they are BNG, the National Guard people. You didn't see the video. They said they are going to liberate people. They are... When I saw the video, when I saw the video, eh, I was like, Kai, who lied to these boys? About maybe 10 men or less in about four. SUVs, half of the guns, Shakabula, what do you remember called Shakabula? Pump action. So I just said jokingly, no, not jokingly, I was just the person who posted it to my class group. I said, hi, who lied to these men? I said, a small company of Nigerian soldiers, you guys will be history. 
Less than five minutes after that, they posted. <laughs> and the they forwarded post to us. One of those men lying on the ground, dead. Those cars abandoned. Soldiers had shot off the vehicles. The rest of them ran away with gun bullets, uh, with bullet injuries. As a, you know, you saw them say, ah, we are going to liberate. We came from Israel. We come from Israel. Israel. We came from Israel. Ah! I shook my head. I said, who lied to these boys? I didn't know by the time I was saying it, that story was history. So when you see people are bold like that, they never jam. They never see anything. And that also happened to Peter. Jesus said, all of you will desert me. Jesus said, I've always been suspecting Thomas. That guy, he doesn't look like a star for anything. And John, a small boy. What has he seen? Sir, others may desert you. Me? I will never. Jesus looked and said, you will never? He said, ah, okay, you know me. I am ready to die for you. Jesus said, all right. Let me tell you something. Before the cock crows twice tonight, you will have faster than the cock can crow denied three times. Rapidly, somebody said, I know, I'm not one of them, believe me. I don't know him. I don't, he, you sound like a Galilean. I swear by Almighty God that the evidence that I give in this case, I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> then he got the point. Jesus was not angry with him. He wasn't angry. He wasn't angry. He just said, This guy, stop bragging. You don't have the power. When you sue war, you will draw back. Leave this thing. And it was not only Peter that said it, all of them. Bible so said all the disciples. All of them disappeared. So Jesus said to them, wait in Jerusalem, otherwise it will happen again. Wait until you are endued with power from on high. Then you can be my witnesses. Then they will not call you. Don't preach again in that name. You say, why not? You yourself, check him. Is it right for us to obey you and disobey God? Ah, what is all of this? That is, the, the people, the, who was talking there? Peter! Huh? Where did he get this kind of boldness? Oh, he has been with Jesus. No, that's not the issue. Now he has the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, hide. Don't worry, I'm not angry. Hide somewhere. Stay until you are endued with power from on high. Let me tell Nigerian Christians who God has called into politics. Don't go near there until you are endued with power from on high. Because if you see the kind of things people do to get power, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, God has not sent you there. You will not survive. Many people go without the power of the Holy Spirit. They compromise their faith. I hope you are getting my point here. David did not kill the bear because he knew the bear killing trick of life. The tricks, no. He didn't know them. He did not know how to kill lions. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit rested upon him from that day forward. I was saying, I said I was saying, but I have now forgot to say it. Two things the Holy Spirit does for you. Number know, one, it gives you ability. That's why I was saying that it does not give you the ability to withstand sin in itself. You have to go after spiritual development, personal spiritual development, with the same discipline everybody has to go use to pursue it. Righteousness and holiness. You must pursue it by yourself. There's, a, there's an aspect of the Holy Spirit that gives you insight. I'm talking about this anointing. It's for function. 
So first, it gives you the ability to perform for the Lord, to do the work of God. Number two, it procures for you favor. Oh, yes. Favor. Favor. Favor of all sorts. Favor. I'm in ministry. We are pre- preaching this word here and there. We have experienced all kinds of favor. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is. You were saying earlier when we were praying, we go to cities, people say, come, come, we will pay. We have rented a hall. Come and preach. It's not normal. It's not normal. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that they are respecting. It is the anointing that God does help. It is the anointing. That's what happened to David. Men came from everywhere with one purpose in mind, to make David king. Let me quickly add this. This anointing is only for preachers. Each person has his own anointing. Like I said just a while ago, a short while now, that if you're a politician, there is a power from on high. Just like David, there's power from on high to become a government, a, 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 what do you call it, a government official. There's power from on high to become a president. Don't go out there. And that's what, you know, that's why Christians go negotiating with old time power brokers, retired kingmakers. Tired kingmakers. Christians are making appointments to see them. If this man can help us, let me tell you how you know it is God that is helping you. People come and say, let me help you. They offer their help without you begging for it. They offer their help. You are not the one struggling for it. They offer their help. I gave you an illustration the other day. One man heard us on radio say, ah! This message so blessed me. I want to put it on another radio station. Send somebody to my office. Did you hear what I said? He said we should send somebody to his office. Now Reverend Ian Cattell and say we don't go to people's offices. Let me add my own words. If you cannot find your way to our office, at least find your way to our bank. After I put on that radio station, it's no money. Transfer the money. Stop, stop sending me on nonsense errand. The guy couldn't believe it. You know what he did not know? Let me summarize. We are anointed. Kingdom World Ministries is anointed. So we don't beg people for favors. Please, now if you can help us. Who are you? Anybody helping us has been commanded by the anointing to help. That's it. The man couldn't believe it that, ah. Somebody told me later, no, that, who was that said that? Bigger men have come. Yes, they are not anointed. He said, Big, I said, no. You can't tell him straight. Oh, God, leave that thing. We are not coming to your office. Not today, not next year. Since then, do you know how many people have paid for radio things? Well, I told you, one went to Akure, one brother went and paid for one year. And one went to Portacot, where he's based. They told him, come, Pastor, come and greet Pastor now. He said, for what? And he ran away. That is what am I coming to greet Pastor for? It's not necessary. That is, it's not, it's not, Pastor should not come and greet you. Oh, are you the one? Oh, the Lord. No, no, no. He just, they say, you come and greet. They say, no. She said, you people are broadcasting there. Yes. He said, that's all. That's the deal. You preach, I pay. She cannot. The work of the Lord moves forward. I always like to read the story of how men came to help David. You know, that story, I always find it interesting. Yes. They decided to come and help. He didn't beg anybody. 
It's quite a long story. Let's just start reading from First Corinthians, uh, Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. Then all Israel gathered to David at Hebron. Somebody say, he's anointed. He's anointed. Say it again. All Israel gathered. To, it wasn't an old man. No. At this point in time, I don't know exactly how old he was. He was still young. All Israel gathered and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. In times past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel, and you shall be prince over my people. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And David made a covenant with them in Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel, according to the word of the Lord through Samuel. Then David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, that is Jebus. Now, let me, not, let me leave that portion, please. Let me just go down to uh, verse um, 8. He built the city all around us after they took um, Jerusalem there. From the middle even to the surrounding area. And Joab repaired the rest of the city. David became greater and greater. For the Lord of hosts was with him. That is, let me write it it another way. David became greater and greater. For the anointing of the Lord was upon him. Now these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had. Who gave him strong support in his kingdom. Together with all Israel. To make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. These constitute the list of the mighty men whom David had. Jeshobim, the, the, the son of a Hakmut knight, the chief of the thirty, he lifted up his spear against three hundred whom he killed at one time. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aohite, who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pasdamim when the Philistines were gathered together there to battle. And there was a plot of ground full of barley. And the people fled before the Philistines. They took their stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great victory. Now three of the thirty men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam, while the army of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Raphaim. David was then in the stronghold while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem which is by the gate. So the three broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. Now notice this. These are the men. They were so strong. They risked their... I'm talking about favor. They risked their lives to give him a cup of water. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? The men fought. They said, ah, I don't like this water. I like the water down there. So they are shooting on the way. That's not the problem. They went through, fought, dodged, fought, defended themselves, fetched water, carried water, and brought it back. The man said, are you all right? I just said I was thirsty. And you are risking the lives of my teammates so I could drink water. Somebody say favor. Favor. <laughs> said, therefore, he, did not, he, could, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. As for Abshai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the thirty. And he swung his spear against 300 and killed them. And he had the name as well as the 30. Of the three in the second rank, he was the most honored and became their commander. However, he did not attain to the first three. 
Now, that's a lot of reading, so I am not going to read everything. But just go to chapter 12, verse 1. Now, these are the men who came to David at Ziglag, while he was still restricted because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. And he began to list their names. Now, look at verse 22. For day by day, men came to David to help him, until there was a great army, like the army of God. We could continue reading, but go to verse 38. All these, being men of war, who would draw up in battle formation, came to Hebron with a perfect heart to make David king over Israel. And all the rest also of Israel was, were of one mind to make David king. What am I saying? The anointing gets what? Favor. It brings help. It brings favor. It brings help. It brings favor. But people sometimes they think they have to struggle. Listen, if you have to struggle and favor is not coming to you, it's one of two things. Either you are not doing what God sent you to do, or you left before he said go. Did you hear what I said? So what should you do? Return back and say, wait, wait, wait. I need to go with power from on high. That's what that, listen, that's what God designed believers to be. Sometimes we are praying for the sick or praying for something. Let me say this. All this shouting, we shout and shout. Ah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't drive out demons. I hope you get my point. It doesn't. It does not drive out demons. It doesn't heal the sick. Sometimes we shout out of like, that's how the pressure is inside our heart. I don't have any problem with that. But don't think you have to raise your voice to do anything for the Lord. It's not necessary. Sometimes I think generally as preachers, we even shout too much. There are preachers, I don't mean any criticism, but I just want young people not to follow that pathway. Once they enter the church. Today I want to preach. I am going to preach today. I said, what's all this noise? What is all the noise? Why do we have to make this amount of noise? You have not started talking, already shouting. Start the talk first. Let the talk build up to a shout. I don't have a problem with it. Well, who told you that this, this, this? Sometimes you... I'm trying to say, I just feel like it's one of two things. Either you are not anointed, or you are not, you are not allowing the anointed to talk. Allow the anointing now. What's all this noise? I say, as long as you don't like shouting, it's not about what I like it. Okay, why don't you go home and tell your wife, good morning, give me food. <laughs> why is it it's us you want to harass? I'm very relaxed. The Lord is good. Look, the things of God is not by struggle. You know Moses? God made him unable to raise his voice. That's why he had Aaron to be broadcasting his voice for him. What did God say? God says the Lord let my people go. The Lord said that when Moses said that, it's the same thing. Then Pharaoh will talk, Moses will call Aaron again. And I will say, um, Your Majesty, the problem that is, he just announced what Moses raised voice over what now? When they say he was the meekest man, that is the man who they talk and whisper. Yet the whole of Israel listened to Moses. You know, God told Joshua the same thing. I'm going to start to honor you before the people. There's a way God just transferred the anointing and put on Joshua. Listen. This anointing thing, eh? is it, of course, a spiritual thing. It's not about your body size. 
It's not your ability to shout or to command respect. It is not 36 laws of power. I hope you are getting my point. No, it's not about, is it 36 or 46 laws of power? 48, it's 48. Uh-huh. Okay, 1,200 laws of power, whatever it is. It's not about that. You know, there's something that Pastor Paul just said once. He said when he was in university, you know, he told this story. I heard him preach in Lagos. He was a relatively new person. In fact, of all the people that looked eligible to take over from the fellowship, he was one of the newest. They put like a newest. So when the person who started the fellowship was leaving, we went to hand over, handed over. To, of course, there, were, there was a lot of, um, like, ah, how cool. This guy just came yesterday. He now said, you know how he solved it? He told everybody there's no problem. There's no need to fight. Let's put down the rod of Aaron. Everybody put down your rod. How did he do it? He said, they just start preaching. The people will follow the leader. I don't know whether you get the point. He said, they just start preaching. And of course, as he began to speak, the anointing began to, that he was the chosen one was clear when he began to speak. And the people bowed in quotes now to him. And he became the leader. See, if you, David understood it. When Absalom drove him away, he didn't force himself back into the city. He waited outside until the elders came back and collected him back. The anointing gets for you favor. Now, you know what, what we were saying earlier? So there was something that Paul saw in those people. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, ah, we, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. There was a reason why Philip sent to Jerusalem and told Peter, please, I need help here. Why? They are giving their lives to Christ, but they don't have the boldness of believers. So Peter said, no problem. I'll be coming with John. And John said, it's not just about knowledge. Yes, we have learned a lot. He said, but there has to be a special release into your lives so that what you have learned you can be effective in using it. Because life can be tough. You can be believing God, then you get discouraged. They can light a fire and say, we are going to burn you if you don't agree to do what we are doing. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you stand your back straight and say, we will not be careful to answer you, O King. The Lord our God is able to deliver us. But even if he does not deliver us, we will never bow down to these your images that you are making. Those, those were not young men talking. That was the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon their life speaking. What am I going to explain? These were the things that Paul noticed were missing in the lives of those men that made him ask, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you gave your life to Christ? And they said, no. We have never ever heard of the Holy Spirit. They said, no. Let's go by it again. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. They did. So let me baptize you. You have not been baptized into Christ. He said no. After that, he laid his hands upon them. And then they were filled with the Spirit. A difference came. You know, something happened to me those of them were in school. We had a brother, one of our senior brothers, when he's preaching, we used to like him. It wasn't things he said. He would say the same things that he had taught us. We would try to say it. It won't come out the same way. You know what happened once? I didn't even know when it happened. All I know is that I was preaching. I didn't even know. No, the boldness to preach came upon me one day. I can't remember the day. I would get in front of the people. And I would talk with eloquence. Then one of our brothers left school for a while. He came back one day. And he sat. And he said, Panky has changed. Panky has changed. That was all he had to say. Panky has changed. 
Donkey has changed. It wasn't like I had learned anything new. Then the one day I came to preach, one of our snail brothers, you know, Egbon. I was, you know, Egbon now. So he came for that program that day. I also came. I just left school that time. And that evening, I stood. The first day, I prepared one long sermon, which I tried to follow. Now, in case you don't know, you must have noticed that I'm a scatter preacher. Yeah, I can be ordered. But I've noticed that ordering my message kills my anointing. So if you see, Pastor, why are you scattered? This is the only way I can be anointed. I, I, I will write sermon, point one, point two, point three, point four. The day, when I say, point number one, Holy Spirit, just do. <laughs> point number two, Holy Spirit, just drag a chair. Say, oh boy, I'm, I'm kind of feeling sleepy. You sleep over there. Ha! Ah. Say, Banky, when you finish preaching, call me. I remember that particular day. I had prepared for weeks. I wrote my sermon in one nice paper, folded it, stapled it, looking very neat. After that first night, I took the paper, tore it, and threw it away. When I was coming for the next meeting, not only did I not bring any paper, I did not even bring a Bible. Yeah, I still remember that day. I wore a white shirt, tucked it in, wore a very nice tie. I sat at the back. When they called me to come and preach, I was walking forward, no Bible, no paper, and I tapped somebody beside me and said, can I borrow your Bible? I collected it. I went to the front, dropped my Bible there, read the text of Scripture, and began to preach. A woman was sitting in front, and his jaw opened and did not close till I finished preaching. <laughs> All he was looking like, Ah, see, Banky. Ah, see, Banky. Ah, he was, he, his mouth was open. Banky. He said, no, Banky. Ah, the anointing had come upon Banky. You know, he told Saul, you will be a different man. Yeah. I was now a different man. That's how the anointing works. Makes you a different man. Makes you a different woman. Let me end my message with a few points. How do we receive that anointing? I've said, of course, we know that you are born again is a fundamental thing. Is a fundamental thing. How do we know that? When Peter saw Cornelius and his household, that they were filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues and prophesying, he realized that God had brought them into the kingdom. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, that's a fundamental thing. Paul said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He knew that you had to believe first. That's the way it works. So for those who have believed, how do they receive the Holy Spirit? I went to the scriptures, and there are three things I found out. And actually what I did today was one of them. Three of them I found out, the ways by which we believers receive the Holy Spirit. Number one. Number one way is just sitting down and fellowshipping with believers while you wait. That's one. Sometimes, just waiting on your own. Let me give you an example. I have a call of God upon my life. I want to go into politics. So I take a few days and tell my brethren, please, my phone will be unavailable. I will not be reached by email. If you need anything, ask my wife. I shall be gone for the next one week. I'm going to sit all alone with the scriptures, with my Bible, and I'm going to begin to meditate on the word of God concerning the political life. I hope I get my point. And let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. When it comes, you will know it has come. You will know. You will know. I remember one of our sisters does this when we were in fellowship. Very shy young woman like this. Shy. You know what they call shy? Talking about what you say. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you can't even talk loud. 
Then one day we came to fellowship. I don't know what we were doing that day. This is how this girl was jumping from one place to the other. She could sing. She would then leave the song, run, grab somebody, hold the person like this, pray, 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 go back, collect her microphone, sing, 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 sing. And I said, ah, I was like, what's happened to you? know, like I said, I, I almost mentioned her name. I'm like, what is going on here? Then we realized she had been possessed. Yes, the Holy Spirit was upon her. It was clear. It was clear. It was clear. Someone said to Saul, you will be another man. You will know when something has come upon you. Let me say this again before I leave. Every aspect of life has a special anointing God wants to give you there. He wants to endure you to be his witness in the market. Yes, you have a shop too in Ogbete. He wants you to be his witness there. And if your life has not been distinguished in that place, Paul needs to ask you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you started this business? It's an important question. Number one, when people receive the Holy Spirit, we know how it is. Tarry in what? In Jerusalem until. They were in an upper room waiting. There's a particular movie I, 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 I saw. I like the way they did that portion. I'm not saying that happened like that, but my own understanding of scriptures is a beautiful way. They were just reciting scriptures. It was in the midst of reciting scriptures that the Holy Spirit came upon them. I can assure you that is how you also wait for the Lord. You go there armed with all the Bible scripture verses that you know concerning the aspect of life you're about to get into. Let me say this. Before they say that I pronounce you man and wife, collect the anointing in readiness to be a husband. Because women can frustrate you if you're not anointed. Before they pronounce you man and wife, better collect anointing as for a wife. Because submission is not of the flesh. Especially when the man is behaving like an idiot. Say submit. Many of us are just going into this who are not anointed. You know what I found out? God gives difficult instructions because he expects to personally empower you to fulfill them. Then we collect difficult instructions, want to use the flesh to fulfill. And we are now we are wondering why life is hard. Why life no go hard? No, why won't life be hard? When God tells you, I want you to Lagos in the next two hours, he said, Lord, how am I supposed to run from here to Lagos? God didn't expect you to run. He's sending a plane. I hope you're getting my point. So what did he say? Start running. He said, no, tarry at the airport. Until you are in due with a private jet from Lagos. Do you follow my point? What was it? God said, we should come to Lagos. They start running to Lagos. After one whole day of running, they reach us over, they faint and die there. And I say, obeying God is hard. God never thought you should obey him with your strength. When he said, come to Lagos, he said, tarry at the airport until I send a helicopter to come and get you. Tarry at the airport until I send a plane to come and retrieve you from there. Number one, we receive the Holy Spirit is simply by tarrying. Taking time out. Taking time out with scriptures. Imbibing the word and meditate. You know what? Meditation? Meditating. I like the way we do it in my home. We pick a number of scriptures and everybody starts behaving like, like juju men, you know? And, you know, Christianity is juju. I hope you know that. In this life, you must have juju. How can you know? Even worldly politicians know they need their own kind of anointing. Christian politicians want to go with that anointing. You need it. You need your own juju. So you rock like this. There is none like the God of Israel. <laughs> Who rise the heavens to help me. And through disguising his majesty. You start declaring one scripture after another for days. You will know, listen to me, when the unction falls upon you. you know, when Jesus was scared in quote, can I use that expression? When pressure was him, he couldn't go to the cross. He went and prayed until he had been strengthened. And he told people, come, let us go. God kept everything on hold until he was ready to come out. 
Time will not allow me to say much more than that in that regard. Number two, way by which people receive the Holy Spirit. Number two, by the laying of hands of other believers. Time will not allow us now. You know that's what happened. That if, um, um, Acts chapter 19 we just read. What happened? Paul baptized them. After that, what did he do? He laid his hands upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. That Acts chapter 19. Let's just read it for the sake of completeness. We read up to verse 4. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Said they were in all about 12 men. Yes, we read up to verse 6 earlier. You notice that. Again, if we back up quickly, that when, uh, that's, uh, that's Acts chapter, that should be chapter 8, right? Quickly go back to chapter 8 of the book of Acts. Samaria was where Simon went to preach. It says, um, let me see which verse we started reading from. From verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. They they talked about Simon who also believed. Now verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. It was during the laying on of hands of the apostles that those people received the Holy Spirit. And if you see what Paul wrote to Timothy, he said that there's a gift of God that is in you. How did you get it? Through the laying on of my hands. You must understand it. It was Paul that laid his hands upon Timothy, and he told him, make sure you stir up that gift. I just feel like reading a few of that. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, in verse 14, he says it this way. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands okay, of the elders or the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed with them, so that your progress will be evident to all. So notice something, how did the hands come upon him? Through the laying on of hands of the elders. I was telling them, when we took over as president of the fellowship, the elders came together and laid hands upon us. And the sign began to show later, as we took up the assignment of leading the fellowship, and you began to receive things by inspiration. That's why I give that example I gave at the beginning. Plan the program, and on that person plan, without talking with each other, we arrived at the same thing almost 100%. That day was at least 90%. It was not human ability. How did the anointing come? The man who I was telling you about was amongst those who played, placed his hands on our heads and transmitted the anointing. That was what made David. That was what made David. You want to be a giant killer and you are not filled with this spirit. You're joking. You're joking. You're joking. You're joking. That's why I started negotiating that uh, you know, as believers. Uh, you know, the God said we can't give you a bribe. You have no power. <laughs> no, you know, some of these are arguments, are arguments of powerless people. 
let me tell you what happened. Some people listen to me, listen to this. Then somebody wants to shake you down with a bribe. Say, bros, if I give you this money, you won't spend it. And you're not threatening. You are speaking by the Holy Spirit. And they will say it doesn't matter. People have said it doesn't matter. Bring it first. You see, when thy judgments are upon the earth, O God, the inhabitants thereof they learn righteousness. Listen, some people must learn righteousness. There are days you look at people and say, you guys are going to hold my goods here. I'm not owing any money. I've paid all the right money. Unless I give you 100,000 naira. Say, good. Here is the 100,000 naira. Now, it's something the Holy Spirit says, talk to them. Say, calm down. Say, come. Don't spend from this money. And the guy, I say, sir, okay, sir. When they share the money, they say, no, no, sorry, I really don't want it. They share it. Next day, one is dead. The other one has had a stroke. One is baby sitting his baby in hospital that's severely sick. The third one has been dismissed. The only one that's surviving is the one that you told not to spend the money. Next day he comes, he fears God. Next day he sees you. Good morning, sir. I've done released your good, sir. See, that is how Christians handle the world. But these are not negotiations. These are anointed actions. Actions that you do because there is a grace of God that is upon you. Last way. Let me just close this quickly. How, what's the last way people receive the Holy Spirit? When we began, I was saying something to you. I said, as I'm, as I'm teaching today, this is what will be happening to people. And I know it has already happened. Amen. What is the last way they receive the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 10, quickly. The book of Acts chapter 10, quickly. Acts chapter 10, let's quickly read it from verse um, 40. Okay, you know, of course, you know the story here. Peter went to the house of Cornelius. And he was preaching Christ to them as God had instructed him. So he said a lot of things. You know of Jesus Christ, that's in verse 38, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good, that's verse 38, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And he said everything to them. He said in verse 43, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. This was what I told you would happen to you today. Amen. That as you are listening to these words, the special anointing required for that your purpose in life, it will come upon you afresh. Amen. You know, he said to them in Galatians chapter 3, he said, how did you receive the Spirit? Was it through the works of the law or how? Through hearing with faith. Those who pay attention to the word of God, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and induces them afresh. If you are such, as you are sitting there, put up your two hands and begin to say, Lord, thank you. I receive ability in my area of assignment. I receive ability for my ministry. I receive ability for my business. I receive ability for my marriage. I receive ability for my political career. I receive ability for my academic career. I receive ability. For my academic, that is, as a student, I receive ability. As a lecturer, I receive ability. I receive in the name of Jesus. Like Samson, the Spirit comes upon me and I do what appears like it's impossible. In the name of Jesus. Yes, I lay my hands on the sick and they recover. That is, I receive the Holy Spirit. I want to, don't let it go, don't let it go. You are claiming it today. You are not living here the same way you came. After now, you will be another man. You will be another person entirely. They will look and say, is this this woman? Ah, when did she become like this? 
When did her tongue become anointed with fire like this? That she speaks a word and it comes to pass. Somebody is receiving the ability to see into the future. And you're not even a preacher. You're a businessman. God is going to begin to show you things that is going to come to pass. Economic you know, policies that will come into effect five years down the line. You will know about them today. And you will strategize your business to the glory of God knowing that that is going to come. Oh, somebody's receiving the ability to interpret signs. Things will, you open the newspapers, reports you will read, and you will have interpretation. The spirit of Joseph, that anointing that's upon Joseph, is coming upon somebody listening to me today. The spirit of Daniel, the ability to understand difficult problems and solve them. The ability to interpret dreams. Somebody listening to me this evening is receiving it. You are receiving it. The ability, the power to heal the sick. Tongues by the Spirit. Walking of miracles by the Spirit. Faith by the Spirit. Somebody is receiving it. No, we are not going to succeed or do our work for God with our own energy. No, but by the Spirit of God, we will have effect on this earth. Somebody is collecting it. Receive it in the name of Jesus. The anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. That was what made, you know, David. It was not his own energy. It was that the Spirit of God rested upon him from that day. The Spirit of God rested upon him from that day. The Spirit of God rested upon him from that day. Oh, so a mother here is going to begin to hear the thoughts of the children. Yes, the thoughts of the children will become clear to you. The sending of spirits, the sending of spirits, the sending of spirits. As a boss, yes, you're employing people. You're not going to be employed like a struggling unbeliever. But by the sending of spirits, you will know who's Judas. Listen, there were 12 apostles that Jesus chose. He said it clearly. One of them is a devil. He knew the heart of Peter. He knew the heart of John. He knew the heart of Nathaniel. He knew the heart of Philip. He knew the heart of Matthew. He knew the heart of all of those men. And he knew the heart of Judas. But the Lord said, put him in the ministry. Because only Judas will betray. He said, so I have chosen you 12. Yet one of you is a devil. I'm telling you, employment by the Spirit. Employment by the Spirit. You, a, the man will come for employment, looking very nice and gentle. The Lord will say, this one is a thief. Don't employ him. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, that will be your testimony. Come on, somebody say, I receive it. Come on, receive it. Receive it. Say, Lord, it will not pass me by. My own ability. My own ability. <laughs> Father God. You know, we all heard about the building collapse in Lagos. Oh, no, 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 no. Things like that will not happen to you. Because the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. Don't go inside there. Come out from there. It's time to start living our lives by the Spirit. David, from the time he was anointed, he was filled with the Spirit. Begin to give the Lord thanks. Begin to give the Lord thanks. Before I step down, I want to give an instruction. There's not, you have slept enough. This night, I'm asking you, Keep away for at least an hour and meditate on the word of God. Because remember I said three ways. There's laying of hands. And please, when you want to start an endeavor, tell elders, please, I'm about to open a new line of business. Come and lay hands on me. Let them hear what you are saying. And let them pray upon you with hands laid, with anointing with oil. It is not this, it's not just an ordinary ceremony. It's empowerment. But tonight, I'm giving you an assignment. The other one we said, waiting by yourself. The first time the church received the Holy Spirit, nobody laid hands on anybody. I hope you're aware of that. They were just what? Waiting. Tonight, at least an hour waiting. Set an alarm. If you have to drink coffee, drink. If you have to go around the neighborhood jogging so that you will not fall asleep, take an hour. 
9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1. Whichever one you choose, take an hour to wait and receive divine endowment to do the work of God for your life. Put up those hands again and give a lot of thanks. It's been a beautiful evening.